Hello, hello, hello. I'm Aaliyah, and this is Netflix Coffee and Questioning Humanity. In today's episode, I will be talking all about the Netflix shows that I was the very last person on Earth to watch. I'm extremely late on the bandwagon, but I'm on it and I'm fully immersed. Friendly reminder that this is an explicit podcast, which means I may discuss explicit content while most certainly using explicit language. So little ears, those easily offended, and my mom and dad may want to bow out. Now, on with the show. Today I am drinking my current obsession, a pumpkin cream cold brew with light ice and extra foam from Stabby's. It's so perfect. The regular pumpkin spice latte from Starbucks didn't do it for me. Honestly, I could barely taste the pumpkin flavor and I didn't have any oomph. But this right here, this foam, this is the star of the show. The coffee is super strong. It's not too sweet, but the foam adds that little bit of sweetness. It tastes like a pumpkin puree. It's the greatest combo. Also, I wanted to give a huge thank you to everyone who wished me luck and sent love while I was moving across the country again. I am originally from Massachusetts, but four and a half years ago, I made the move to Orlando, Florida, which was honestly a dream come true at the time. I lived right behind Disney World. Like I could see Hollywood studio fireworks from my yard, but 2020 being 2020 flipped my perspective completely. A huge reason why I wanted to go was because I was in my early 20s and I was like, oh my God, I just need to get away. I want to be away from my family. I want to do this on my own. And it was great at the time. I needed space and I got my space and 2020 made me realize I need to be with my family. It's been a very hard year. And also living in Orlando or central Florida or really most places in Florida, every job, I don't care how far removed do you think it is from tourism heavily relies on tourism and unfortunately well fortunately and unfortunately there really isn't any at the moment part of me was like oh my god that's so great everyone just stay away we don't want to spread this virus but then also you're like well my job relies on the money coming in from those tourists and I could be out of a job or you could have already lost your job for anyone who does not live in central Florida it's very hard to fathom how sad it is to watch your friends and your community have to go back home because the majority of people in central Florida are from somewhere else. It's a melting pot and they are escaping something or they want to start over and to have their job and their livelihood and their friendships ripped away from them. It's really hard to wrap my head around. It's extremely sad and it's also extremely disappointing. I feel like 2020 ripped the curtain off and exposed really gross practices that businesses have. I've seen really amazing companies doing the right thing. And I've also seen one of the biggest companies in the world doing the wrong thing. That big company that we can all kind of put two and two together, Central Florida, huge company, squeak, squeak, you know what I'm saying? All I've seen is lies, deceit, and pandering from that company, if I'm being completely honest. And what's unfortunate is No one who lives outside of Central Florida will know that. And I can tell you right now, I am 100% rethinking any vacations that I plan on taking in the future. I'm rethinking a lot of the places I choose to do business after this. And for anyone saying, oh, these companies, it's just, you know, the cost of doing business. It's just what has to be done. I hear you on that, but there are some shady dealings and lies and deceit happening in a lot of companies. And a lot of these companies who are laying people off at the lower end, who are barely making 
making minimum wage are keeping on executives high up that are making, I don't know, six figures, sometimes seven figures. So yes, while a company laid off 30,000 plus people, their higher ups were getting full salary. Salary that they claimed at the beginning of the pandemic was being taken away or split, something like that, was then reinstated before or shortly after they laid off 30,000 plus people. So just something to think about when you're standing the mouse. For my own situation, I felt a little bit sad at first just because I felt like I was failing, even though I didn't want to stay in Orlando forever. It just felt abrupt and like I was doing something wrong, even though it's uncontrollable. But that quickly passed. I am so relieved to be home, to be with my family, and to have a real support system again. I didn't mean to get all emotional and mushy there. Oh my goodness, too much. I also did not expect to vent and spill some tea. That was completely on a whim. It wasn't even in like my little notes, but I had some things to get off my chest, especially when I'm seeing people applaud that particular company with great business practices during the pandemic. Absolutely not. What you're seeing is completely false. And I mean this in the least offensive way possible, but if you are one of those cast members or ex-cast members who still brainwashed into thinking this is a great company. I really don't want to hear it, so please don't at me. I have many people close to my heart who have given nothing but unyielding loyalty to that company and were let go or have been fucked over, so I don't want to hear it. To sum up this way too long intro and to get off the salty train, I am so happy to be home and I feel so refreshed and so renewed and so inspired. I have lots of ideas for more content even beyond this podcast, but of course the podcast will continue because this is so much fun for me but more details on that probably in the next episode. Enough of that. On to the Netflix now. For this episode, I only have three titles that I'm going to talk about because I want to talk more in depth on these rather than scattering quick thoughts. And the first title I'm going to get into is the one and only Schitt's Creek. Don't worry, Rolly. We're still going to play the diaper game. Ah, good. (laughs) Hi. What's the diaper game? Oh my gosh, it is so fun. We played it at Mutt's baby shower. (laughs) Basically, you melt different chocolate bars into different diapers, and then people take turns guessing. Just stop you right there. I will literally do anything for us to not play that game. I have to give a huge thank you to my mother and her boyfriend, Carmen, for putting me onto this show and for putting me onto the delicious peach ring edibles that they gave me. Nothing goes better with Schitt's Creek than peach ring edibles, just so you know, in case you were looking for a pairing. I waited to watch it because my mom, sorry mom, but you have questionable taste when it comes to television most of the time. And when I started watching it, I was in the process of packing for my move, so I was super stressed out and I wasn't paying super close attention. You know how you just have something on for background noise just to kind of get a taste of it. That's how it kind of went down for me. And I can't remember for the life of me what episode or when exactly it switched over to completely capturing my heart. If for some reason you are later on the bandwagon than I, don't worry, I won't give away any spoilers. The show follows the fabulously rich Rose family after they find themselves completely broke. The family has one remaining asset, a small town called Schitt's Creek, which the Roses bought years earlier as a joke. This is where the family must regroup in a podunk little motel. The Rose family consists of the father, Johnny Rose, the once video store tycoon, his wife Moira, a soap opera star fashionista, and their fully grown adult children who are spoiled as shit, Alexis and my all-time favorite, David Rose. I didn't realize till after season one, which is when I think I started paying attention to the credits, that this was Dan Levy who plays David Rose's brainchild. It's also really cool how Dan Levy's real life father, Eugene Levy, who we know from American Pie, 
also plays his on-screen father, Johnny Rose. I also didn't realize the character Twyla is Sarah Levy, I believe her name is Sarah, who is the daughter of Eugene Levy and the sister of Dan. So this is just a family affair, which I think is so cool. I also saw Fred Levy, I think, as a producer, but the Levy the world fell in love with was, of course, Dan Levy, and I am right there with them. Everything about him, his writing, his modesty, his presence, his humor, his style. Honestly, his style is what I strive for. So good. I have looked at many, many Dan Levy outfits and David Rose outfits, and I haven't seen one that I would not wear. I'm a huge fan of dressing in men's fashion with like a good face of makeup and really nice shoes and a couple hundred spritzes of really nice perfume. Well, perfumes. I mix like two to three perfumes. This whole show has been a religious experience for me. As you may have gathered from the intro of this video, I was going through it. And like I said, I was watching this while packing, which was when I was going through the most. And I feel I feel like this show has a special place in my heart for helping me laugh and smile while getting through it. In the midst of a crisis or multiple crises, crises, crisis, crises, crisis, whatever the plural is for that word, to have something as an outlet to make you smile when there is literally nothing to smile about was an absolute blessing for me. I also got to watch it with my family when I did come back home and they all loved it. It just feels so good. It's feel good television. And oh my God, the showing of queer culture and an LGBTQIA plus relationship, how it should be perceived, which is like a normal fucking happy relationship. That was absolutely spectacular. I watched this special for it on Netflix. I, for the life of me, I cannot remember the name. I think it was called like Warmest Regards, Best Wishes. And I think they said it beautifully on that. I cannot give the full quote of what they said in that special because it would completely spoil a very big thing, but the gist of it is that there's always a sort of sadness or struggle in queer relationships on screen and they didn't want that for Schitt's Creek. They just wanted it to be happy and free and accepted. They just wanted to show simple, unconditional, beautiful love. I think they did that in so many ways with so many different characters in so many different forms of love. I can't expand on that again because I don't want to spoil anything, but you have to watch this show. If you're a fan of feeling good and laughing a lot, you will love Schitt's Creek. The next title I will be discussing is The Umbrella Academy. Care for dessert? I had a bad Twinkie in the apocalypse once. It kind of put me off dessert. Now, I would just like to preface with I am torn and I'm going to warn you I flip-flop so much when it comes to my opinion on this show I'm still just not sure how I feel about it I would also like to congratulate Elliot Page oh my god Elliot Page just came out as trans and I just want to say welcome Elliot you are so loved and the statement you put out was so beautiful and so well said you are truly an icon for trans people all over the world I'm not going to breathe life or put any energy into the transphobic nasty comments and things people have been saying about Elliot. The majority of us are moving forward. We're more accepting. We're more open. We don't care about other people's business the way these sensitive, ignorant, hate-filled people do. Why are you so worried about Elliot? Why are you so worried about what Elliot's doing with his body or what's between his legs? Why do you care? It seems to me like you're projecting because you don't want to think about what's going on with yourself. So my advice is to put some more time and energy and thought into your own business before you stick your nose in other people's. You don't have to understand shit. All you need to do is stay in your lane and have some respect for another human being. But anywho, 
there was some chatter about whether or not Vanya's character, who is the lead character in the Umbrella Academy, which I'll get to that in a second, but I want to get this out of the way, if her gender would change in the show or if she would be completely recast. I'm here to tell you that neither of those things are going to happen. Elliot Page is a versatile actor. He can play a female. And recasting someone just because they came out as trans is questionable. Say that out loud and see if that makes sense to you. He's been an A-list celebrity playing the majority of female roles since the beginning of his career he can continue to do so if he so chooses. To get into the meat and potatoes of the show, I so enjoy the aesthetic of the entire production, the concept, and the tone, but I feel like I'm already tired of the show. I feel like it's been played out and it's only gone through two seasons. It feels redundant in a lot of ways, and for myself personally, I fucking hate time travel. I feel like it's lazy and creates plot holes and it can be confusing. It immediately causes me to roll my eyes and say to myself, great, it's a get out of jail free card. That being said, I feel like this show has created a cult following and creates a mood, if that makes sense. It's almost like a brand. I know it's Umbrella Academy. When I hear the music, even if it's, you know, not their original score or I see the color scheme or I see the clothes, I would immediately know what it's from. Let me break down the plot because I'm getting way ahead of myself. One day in 1989, 43 infants were inexplicably born to random unconnected women who showed no signs of pregnancy the day before. Seven are adopted by billionaire industrialist Sir Reginald Hargreaves who creates the Umbrella Academy and prepares his adopted children to save the world. In their teenage years, the family fractures and the team disbands. Fast forward to present time when the six surviving members of the clan reunite upon the news of Hargreaves' passing. They work together to solve a mystery surrounding their father's death, but divergent personalities and abilities again pull the estranged family apart. And a global apocalypse is another imminent threat. The series is based on a collection of comics and graphic novels created and written by My Chemical Romance lead singer Gerard Way. My inner seventh grade emo girl is screaming, trust me. I thought this was so cool because I remember hearing about Gerard Way creating these comic books, what I thought they were at the time. I don't know if that's officially what they're called. And I just thought that was so dope. Someone who is a true artist showing their art in multiple different forms. I'm not entirely sure how much creative control he has over the show, but the show's core and idea behind it is so original and cool. No matter how much I flip-flop on whether or not I like it because I have a hard time saying I do and I have a hard time saying I don't. I give so much respect to Gerard Way for coming up with the idea. The show is extremely entertaining even though it starts a bit slow. It kept me interested but it's very predictable to the point where it borders on corny and you know I'm a sucker for good cinematography so that's a big thumbs up that I give them. It was absolutely beautiful cinematography. The special effects are really great too now that I'm thinking about it. It just looks absolutely beautiful the show and I really enjoyed season one. Unfortunately Unfortunately, season two was where it all fell apart for myself. It was a hot mess. It became very cliche and there was zero character development. It seemed like a lot of unnecessary shit wrapped around a really great plot. It got congested and overshadowed. How can I explain this? Imagine a beautiful filet cooked perfectly. Then the chef throws on some salty butter, then mushrooms, then some onions. 
then some cheese, then decides it needs truffles and truffle oil and more cheese, then some steak sauce, which is blasphemy, by the way, literally should not exist. Throw out your steak sauce immediately. If you need steak sauce for steak, you need to learn how to cook better steak or go to better restaurants. Anyways, you get what I'm saying, right? It's all just unnecessary and ruins the really great jumping off point. I can't say whether or not I will be returning for season three because I just don't know if I'm that invested or interested. I'm completely worn out. I don't know when the new season even comes out, but I feel like, oh, it's a project to watch it. This is why I respect Dan Levy, going back to him, of course, because I'm obsessed with him. He ended Schitt's Creek to make sure the plot wasn't tired and overdone. Maybe this is just me, but I feel like the Umbrella Academy would have done so much better as a movie. Think of how epic and incredible and exciting and fresh this would all be if it was released like the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Start with the core story break off into other people's stories, even break out into mini-series over time, connecting the dots in a way that's fresh but still relates to the universe. Does this make sense? Because I feel like packing it all together into a show and adding all that unnecessary stuff makes it tired. I really gave this show everything I had, but I, I just can't make a definitive statement on whether or not I like it. I guess I don't. I don't know. We'll see in 2021 how I feel about season three if I decide to watch it. My third and final late on the bandwagon title is one that surprised the shit out of me. Cobra Kai. You all learn to strike first. Be aggressive. Taught you to strike hard. Put every ounce of your power behind everything you do. I haven't taught you the third rule of Cobra Kai. No mercy. The older you get, the more you're going to learn that life isn't fair. You wake up one morning feeling great and then life throws a spinning heel kick to your balls takes a big steaming shit in your mouth just when you think things are going good everything falls apart that's how it goes life shows no mercy so neither do we i did not want to like this show but i shit you not two minutes into the episode it had my heart. I literally said to myself, I am emotionally invested in Johnny Lawrence right now. 34 years after the events of the 1984 All Valley Karate Tournament from Karate Kid, a down and out Johnny Lawrence seeks redemption by reopening Cobra Kai Dojo, reigniting his rivalry with now successful Daniel LaRusso. This show is so heartwarming and genuinely funny. The writing is fantastic and all of the acting is really good. The characters have depth and are multifaceted. This is what I want in characters. It's everything I want when I'm watching a show. And that's why I was so emotionally invested so fast. William Zabka, I think that's how you pronounce his last name, who plays Johnny, was so strangely lovable. He's such a douchebag asshole, but you find yourself rooting for him and feeling empathy for him. And that right there is great acting, great writing, and a great development of character. Ralph Macchio was also fantastic. I'm gonna need him to drop his skincare routine and his diet secrets because the, the man is almost 60 and he looks like he's 12. He was great. I was so surprised because most of these people that have been reprising their roles, I don't think they've done a ton of acting since The Karate Kid, but they all were exceptional and really funny. Obviously, the younger actors and actresses are incredible as well. And I heard they do their own stunts, which is absolutely out of this world. I don't think they do them all, but they do a lot of them because there's some really dangerous shit, obviously, that happens in the show. So I'm assuming they don't do the super dangerous stuff. Cobra Kai is so easy and pleasant to binge watch because each episode 
really does leave you wanting more. Each one leaves you with a cliffhanger. The show is obviously nostalgic, but it goes so much further. It definitely dips into the past, but only to move the plot forward. And again, to build on character. It's fast paced, lighthearted, ugh, mostly, no spoilers. It does get very deep at times, but you have to watch it to really understand the hype. And trust me, even if you're late on the bandwagon, it's worth the hype. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope you all who reside in the U.S. had a great and safe Thanksgiving. I know it's been a couple weeks since I uploaded a new episode, so I appreciate the patience and for you coming back and continuing to listen. I'm still settling into my new home and sort of setting up my new office as well as brainstorming new content while trying to figure out my new consistent schedule. So I think I will be releasing one more pod this year, which obviously there's only a few weeks left in the year, and we'll see how it records but it's going to be what I imagine a big mama episode. I'm going to do a best of 2020 and I know a lot of things haven't come out in 2020. It's going to be what I've been watching in 2020, like my favorites, even if it came out in 2019 with streaming and things like that. I feel like release date is kind of irrelevant when it comes to your favorites and I'm going to do that from all platforms, not just Netflix. So yeah, that's the, that's the plan. Then hopefully fingers crossed January, 2021 will be filled with more content. If you want updates for future episodes and to see pictures of my pretty coffee, be sure to follow the pod on Instagram at NCQH podcast. As I mentioned earlier in this podcast, I have been absolutely absolutely inspired by Elliot Page coming out as trans. And in light of this beautiful and historic moment, I would like to share a website for resources for trans people. Because unfortunately, as beautiful as a moment this is for the world, there are obvious obstacles that trans folk do face. If you go to glad.org, that's G-L-A-A-D.org, forward slash transgender forward slash resources or just google g-l-a-a-d transgender resources you will be taken to a full list of options including the trevor project's 24 7 365 lifeline that number being 866-4-U-TREVOR 866-488-7386 as well as many more lifelines you can call of your choice it also shares transgender organizations transgender programs at lgbt organizations, general information and resources, and more. So feel free to check out those resources or share them with someone you know and love if they need them. Thank you again. Stay caffeinated, stay streaming, stay strong. (laughs) 